recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. Yeah, yeah, we recorded. <laughs> We're recording! <laughs> uh, so hi, I'm Sydney. Uh, and I'm Taylor. Uh, and you're probably wondering, who the fuck are these bitches? Um, and why are they podcasting? Yeah, you probably are wondering that. The name of this podcast, though, is This Is Gonna Sound Weird. That's the name of the podcast. Yes. It's um, a weird name, but we're kind of weird people. We like it. It's kind of long, but you'll remember it. You'll get it. We'll say it a lot. We say it a lot, you know, talking to each other. Yeah, you'll hear it probably throughout this episode. Um, it's just a, kind of a slogan that we say. Uh, but uh, a little bit of background knowledge on who the hell we are. Uh, we both went to North Carolina State University. Go, go back. <laughs> um, and that's where we met. Uh, and we uh, quickly realized we both have uh, an affinity for true crime, you know, ghost, witchy shit. This is true. We met on a fateful day in October. <laughs> I spotted her across the room, and then she handed me her bag to go to the bathroom. Yeah. But, yes, but then we quickly realized that we are maybe, like, soul searchers. Have you ever heard that thing where, like, people are, like, you, like, meet, and uh-huh. you're, like, these, like, soul something? So maybe we're, like... Are you, are you trying to say that you're my soulmate? Mm, Sorry, no, I'm not quite. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon, she's mine. <laughs> no, it's, like, something else. It's not, like, a soulmate, but it's, like, something to where you're, like, born, and you're, like, meant to cross paths. Mm. I saw it the other day on the internet, and I was going to send it to you, but I thought it was too sappy. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here with that sappy shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I maybe because I feel like there was a time when like our paths could have crossed, but they probably would have crossed at the wrong time. This is true. You know, like where people are like go to the same high school, but they never talk, and then they end up meeting like ten years later and like being best friends or like falling in love. It's like a very serendipitous thing. So, yes. Like, your granddad obviously vacations in my hometown. Yes. So I feel like you, we could have been hanging out. I probably seen you at the ice cream shop before. Yeah, we probably saw each other at the beach. We might have even built a sandcastle, but. I might have even stomped your sandcastle. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, I might be like, ah, this bitch thought me. <laughs> probably didn't want to catch sand fiddlers with me. No. What, are you, what do you call sand fiddlers? Those a fucking sand fiddler. What That's is what that? People sometimes call them, I think they're like sand crab. Or no, what are they Sand fleas? A sand flea. Okay, I didn't realize that what that's what a sand flea was until literally like last week. Because mm-hmm. some bitch on TikTok was eating them. <laughs> <laughs> she like fry them or something? I didn't think you could I don't know. I think them. she boiled them. I just don't think there's enough meat in that. No, but yes, I do love to catch a good sand crab. They like to crawl around in my little hand. Yeah, because got, we call them sand fillers, but I know that some people call them other shit. But yeah. Anyways, but maybe we should actually get to the, get po- to the podcast. Get to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much chit-chat. Uh, so each week we're going to do a different theme, try to make it a little, a little fun. Yes. We don't want this to be boring. We're professional comedians. I majored in political science, so <laughs> I know how to crack a joke. Oh, yeah. And also history, so I'm just so witty. Yeah. Just kidding. We're not comedians at all. Absolutely not. Um, never even seen stand-up comedy. I've watched a John Mulaney special on Netflix. Does that count? Yes. I watched a few of Kevin Hart specials on Netflix, but I mean, come on, is Kevin Hart? All right, all right. All right. No, that's not. Who is that? That's definitely not him. <laughs> Fucking Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I know Kevin Hart said some. Uh, he says, 
no nipple I know he said he has something, but I can't remember what it is at this time. I can't either. I don't listen to too many. I honestly don't like watching stand up comedy if I'm gonna be completely honest. <laughs> don't think it's that funny. Oh, damn. Uh but this week's theme is Lady Killers. And do you wanna go first, Taylor? You want me to go first? Uh, let's see. I don't know. It don't matter. I mean I can go first. Yeah, why don't you go first? I'll go first. Because I'm nervous. Okay, yeah, I'm me so too. Fucking, a little bit. Fucking I'm nervous. so nervous. Okay, I can go first. Alright. So my story for Lady Killers, I'm gonna have to move this so I can see you. Is now her name is the story of Blanche Taylor Moore. Damn. Now the way I found this, I was looking for the lady who tried to kill my fiance, his name's Brandon, who tried to kill his dad. You know, I've told you that. Yeah. Uh, well, I was looking for her, but I couldn't remember her name. Okay. So one day I probably will cover her because that bitch wild and I can get some like firsthand account, but. Oh yeah, we can bring some people yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going, but I was on like Murderpedia for North Carolina for yeah. like women. And so I was scrolling and yeah. I found this bitch. And they just had a snapped episode, so I was like, this is perfect. So, we're on Blanche Taylor Moore. So, I'm going to tell you, I got the information on the snapped and Murderpedia. I don't want y'all to come at me with some copyright or some plagiarism. <laughs> Please don't cancel us before we even start. Okay, so this takes place in uh, North Carolina. Okay. So, picture it. It's okay. 1985. Okay. Burlington, North Carolina. Okay. Very close Not, to where we are I'll right say, now. Without giving it away, we're close. Very close. Very close. <laughs> Uh, the town in the Snapped episode is described as churches outnumbered the bars, and people like it that way. <laughs> so pretty much an average North Carolina town. Yeah, uh, we are kind of, in, I feel like kind of in the Bible Belt, but definitely not as much as like somewhere yes. in Georgia. I actually saw um, something on Instagram yesterday, and North Carolina is officially in the Bible Belt. It was one of those like, wow, so you want to talk about mega churches, and that was it. Yeah, we got a fuck ton of mega churches it's just a bunch of people that want to have tattoos and go to church go to church oh, Jesus. they even want to wear skinny jeans so well on easter morning mm -hmm. blanche taylor and this time at this time her name was blanche taylor she goes to church and when she gets there she meets the preacher his name's dwight moore and it is love at first sight oh my gosh now, first, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on Blanche and Dwight. So, at this point, mm -hmm. Blanche is 52. Beautiful young lady. 52 years young, some might say. <laughs> <laughs> she was church going. Uh, she was all around like a good southern lady. Just your typical, you know, like nice southern lady who brings food to the potluck that's delicious. Oh, I hope it's deviled eggs. I hate deviled eggs. Uh, well, you can go to hell because deviled <laughs> eggs are delicious. And if they're not at the church potluck, I will not be going. <laughs> I prefer some good old macaroni. I also enjoy like the what are they called like the cups of mud with the worms. Yes, the I do like those. I do like those. So Blanche had lived in North Carolina for her whole life. Uh, her father was also a preacher. He was an, an evangelical preacher. But the thing about him was, he was mm -hmm. one of those, like, backwoods preachers that didn't go to school for it, mm -hmm. not trained. He was just like, I got God in my heart, I'm a preach. Got it. But he had some pretty bad habits for a preacher. He was a drinker, uh, he was a gambler. <laughs> he was reported to... He was a joker, a smoker, <laughs> and I toker. Uh, but he was pretty hard on his family, you know, but Blanche was able, she was fine. She became successful. She worked as a cashier at a grocery store. I think they said Kroger. I don't know. She went to college, got a business degree, uh, and then she became the manager of the store, which, you know, at the time for a woman, pretty good deal. Yeah. 
Uh, and she, but she'd also been married um, before she met Dwight, the preacher. Oh, that whore. Yeah, I know. She'd been married for 20 years, but hold your horses. Uh, her first husband died. R.I.P. <laughs> two children he died from a heart attack like suddenly and he died mm-hmm. in 1973 but other than that her life was good normal fine yeah now dwight there's not as much information on him because he was a reverend at a church in burlington okay. north carolina he was really low liked really well respected in the community he had just moved to burlington like recently because he had gotten a divorce for his first marriage now that whore that is probably not so they both had sex before they had both into this sex marriage before. not virgins not virgins clearly not virgins but you know since blanche was so uh, active in her church her and dwight really hit it off he yeah. was like i need me a good godly woman come on over here give me some sugar i know you've had sex before <laughs> And like I said, she was a stereotype, though, of a good Southern Christian wife. She was great to be, you know, standing beside him, like at the pulpit, shaking people's hands at the end. Mm -hmm. She raised kids. She was a good cook, a baker, all that stuff. Yeah. So after they hit it off, they got married in 1989. And they went on a honeymoon to New Jersey. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't know why they went honeymoon in New Jersey. Were they going to, like, the beach? Or were they going just to go see Cake Boss before Cake Boss was a thing? I I mean, I don't know why you would go all the way to New Jersey for the beach. I mean, some people, if you're listening from New Jersey, I apologize. But I know North Carolina Beach has got to be better. Well, also, I, I don't know if they did this back then. But from my knowledge, I know, like, Right now, you have to pay to go on New Jersey beaches, whereas yeah. North Carolina beaches are free. But maybe they just wanted to get the hell out of Dodge. Maybe. And maybe by Dodge, I mean Burlington, North Carolina. Maybe they <laughs> just didn't want people to know that they were having sex a mere, like, 100 miles away. Oh, God forbid. <laughs> so, they were on their honeymoon. It was going well until Dwight got really sick. Uh-huh. And so, they had to rush home early, and they took him, like, immediately to the hospital. And So, they took him to Burlington and then took him to the hospital? Yeah, so they okay. yeah, so they were like when he got sick in New Jersey, they were like, We gotta come home. But by the time they had like, you know, made it almost home, he was so sick it was like he's gotta go to the hospital immediately. Okay. So he ended up in a hospital in North Carolina. And some of his symptoms for his sickness, which are odd, they're not like my tummy hurts. He had numbness in his hands and feet, okay. nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, shortness of breath, and excruciating pain just all over the body. So corona. Yeah, he pretty much. Had, he, he might have, have been patient zero for corona. Yeah. So they had him there for a little bit, but they could not figure out what was wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And so someone suggested, I think the Snapped episode said it was a, like a medical student actually suggested that they do a heavy metals test. Okay. Um, and it came back that he was filled with arsenic. Oh. <laughs> so after they found this out, they were like, oh, shit. So they were like, we gotta start like some sort of investigation or something to figure out yeah. where this came from. So they restricted the people who could come into his room, meaning that people could still come, but a doctor or a nurse had to be there. Okay. Because they're thinking maybe somebody's poisoned him. Yeah. They gotta keep an eye on some yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, but while he was in the hospital, he kept getting worse. Somebody was like still able to sneak stuff to him, okay. apparently. And so they restricted anyone from coming in, even his new wife, Blanche. And at this point, they were like, okay, we've really got to investigate because somebody he knows is poisoning his ass. So they talked to Blanche, and she was like, look, I don't know anything about it. You know, couldn't say. She even suggested, she was like, he's really depressed. Maybe maybe he did it to himself. And I, in yes. my notes, I wrote, not likely, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, 
they said in the episode, they were like, who poisons themselves with arsenic? It's, like, very slow and painful. Yeah. And so they asked Dwight. They were like, you know, maybe do you think your wife could have done it? And he was like, no way. She didn't do it. He said, maybe I got accidentally got a hold of some arsenic. But in my own non-doctory opinion, I was like, he thought he may have accidentally gotten it. But I was like, you're about to die. I don't think you've accidentally gotten a hold of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I feel like if you accidentally got a hold of it, it wouldn't be such a deadly amount. No. Like, I feel like they say the rice has some arsenic in it, but it's, like, not a lot. I love rice. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, not a lot. I mean, like, how much fucking rice would you have to eat? I mean... I know. Some people eat hella rice, and they ain't dying of arsenic, so, like, son. He thought try he, again. Like, I think they said it's in, like, ant poison and stuff, so he thought maybe, like, he was doing some yard work, and it got to him, but I'm like, you've been on your honeymoon, you haven't been doing any yard work. Yeah. Let's, come on, man. You, you're smarter than this. You got Jesus on your side. <laughs> so, then they asked Dwight, after, he was like, my wife didn't do it, and he, he was, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to speak. Um, but they were like, do you know anybody who's died recently of, like, mysterious circumstances? And he's like, well, my wife's boyfriend of 15 years, Raymond Reed, actually died mysteriously not too long before I met her. And they were like, oh, oh really? Tell us about that. And so this, at this point, Blanche was obviously a suspect. We all saw it coming this way. Yeah. Um, so she's a suspect. And they were like, we're going to exhume this guy reads body. Uh-huh. Uh, so, they exhumed his body, did an autopsy, and guess what? What? He had a very high level of arsenic in his body. Damn, I'm shook. <laughs> and before he died, it, it was reported that he had a bunch of, like, gastrointestinal issues. Okay. He was sick. And the whole time, Blanche was there with him, bringing him food. Oh. But when he died, she, like, refused to, like, do an autopsy. His sons wanted to do one, but she was like, no, he's already been through enough. We don't need to do this to him in death. Which I'm like, honey, he's dead. Let's figure out why he's dead. Yeah. But she was like, no, never. And so now the police and the investigators were like, shit, shit, shit. We gotta go look into even more people that this lady, like, knows had relationships with. She's probably poisoned everyone at the church with the potluck. With the potluck with her deviled eggs. Her deviled eggs. eggs. <laughs> Those eggs were deviled. <laughs> and so, you know, I mentioned earlier, her first husband. Yeah. Died from a heart attack. And now... In retrospect, his family was like, that don't sound right, actually, now that we think about it, because he died at 45 years old. And apparently his family was known to live a very long time, like into their 90s. Yeah. No issues of heart issues, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, let's, let's get his body out of the ground, too. Oddly enough, Tim and Raymond Reed were buried in the same cemetery. You know, small town, North Carolina. <laughs> so they exhumed James Taylor. And... The cause of death for him was determined to be arsenic poisoning. And so at first I was like, how did they not realize after she had already killed like two people that this is weird that both men in her life have died kind of mysteriously? But I've read that apparently when you get poisoned with arsenic, it's really hard to like catch because it can mimic different signs of like stomach issues. It can mm -hmm. even mimic the flu, heart attack, anything like that. And it's really easy to obtain and it's tasteless and odorless. And so she's making them all deviled eggs. And so they were like, love it. Uh, so after this third case, she was charged with two murders um, and an attempted murder. But she still doesn't confess. She like, ain't me. Ain't me. Couldn't have been me. Try again. Try again, bitch. 
But while the case was being put together, the prosecution got a letter that was sent to Blanche's defense attorney. Okay. And it was a confession from a man named Garvin Thomas. So this, like, throws a wrench in it. They're like, who the hell's Garvin? What kind of name is Garvin? <laughs> and he said that he was the one that actually poisoned the man in Blanche's life. Okay. And he was apparently in love with her, and that's why he killed them, because he wanted to be with her. He couldn't stand not being with her. Basically, like, a stalker type, I guess, because she clearly didn't want to be with him. Mm-hmm. But it turns out Garvin was real, a real person, um, but he died a week before the letter was mailed. Okay. So they did a handwriting analysis, and after that, they found out that that bitch Blanche was actually the one that wrote the letter. Now, did she kill Garvin, or was that just a weird thing? I think Garvin was maybe just a name she had heard and just pulled it out. So he did not actually stalk her at any point. She was just like, this is a scapegoat. Yes. Let's go. She just made up some shit and was like, let's do it. And maybe she thought it was going to work because... Maybe she, like, tried to time it to where he's dead, he can't talk against it. So maybe mm-hmm. she thought she had, like, mailed it in time or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I really couldn't say. She should have just dropped it off somewhere. No, don't use the post. She server. was also in jail, so I'm not really sure how it got out. <laughs> I don't know. People in prison these days are making TikToks, so, like, the fact that she was able to mail a letter is, like, whatever. <laughs> I love prison TikToks. I do, too. I saw one where these two ladies were twerking their hearts out. And I was like, gosh, if only. If I go to prison, I hope I can get TikTok in there. Oh my god. Yeah, they'd be showing you how they'd be, like, coloring their hair. And they'd be like, this is all the things you can do with the bar soap. Look, I watch I watch a lot of prison shows with Brandon, so yeah. I think I'd be okay. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I don't think so, but... If that's what you uh-huh. think. <laughs> okay, and so after that weird letter incident, uh, the trial started in 1990 for old Blanche, and she was being considered for the death penalty mm-hmm. um, for the poisoning of three men, killing two, one still sick. And so at the trial, the nurses testified, and they said that when Reed was in the hospital and Blanche would come, every time she would come, she would bring him food, and then when she would leave, his levels would, like, spike. Yeah. And he would, like, crash again. Which at that point, I'm like, did y'all not think something was weird then? Like, he was in the hospital for, like, a while, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, her, you know, brand new husband, Dwight, the preacher Dwight, he testified. And it was pretty sad, because he was still pretty sick. And he was just, like, so sad that his brand new wife Damn. tried to kill him. Like, <laughs> on, before they He just wanted him. a second chance at love. Yes, yeah, so he was clearly heartbroken. Her family through the whole thing, what, though, was like... She could never have done this. Like, she is such a kind, sweet, spiritual lady. Never could she do it. But, turns out she did it. Because (laughs) the jury found her guilty. And she was sentenced to death on January 18th, 1991. Okay. And so, you're probably wondering, what is the motive? Is it money? I couldn't say. So, apparently, in most of these cases, you know, Mm -hmm. it would be, like, life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to get out of it. And it did say that, like, she did get a little bit of money. Yeah. But it wasn't enough for it to be, like, the sole motive. Yeah. And so, another, like, kind of likely motive suggested is that she did it because of her strained relationship with her father, you know, the the untrained preacher. Yeah. Uh, She apparently hated his ass. She resented him because... He was an abusive alcoholic and a gambler, mm-hmm. and apparently he would sometimes send Blanche out to do sex work as oh like a very God. young child in order to help pay his gambling debts. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yes, hate him because that's awful. 
And he also cheated on her mom, you know, abandoned the family. All sorts of bad things. Yeah. So the motive that they propose is that she killed the men because she hated men. Okay. Okay. And that they reminded her of her father. Okay. But really, to me, that doesn't make sense as the whole motive because there's only one person that actually kind of fit the build, which is Dwight. Yeah. Because apparently he was divorced because he had an affair. Mm. Uh, and he was a preacher. Yeah. You know? That correlates. But, I mean, the other two did not fit the build. And so I think in Murderpedia, they were like, we don't really know what the motive was, but we think she's just evil. Could be. And as of today, Blanche still remains on death row in North Carolina. So she's been on death row for like a long ass time. Over 20 years. Yes. More like, when did I say? I think she got sentenced in 1991, so almost 30 years. That's insane. Yeah, she's still there. I found her picture. I'm not sure what. Do you know what prison she's in? No, I forgot. It may be the one in Raleigh. I don't know. I don't know how dangerous they think she is. I don't think she can get a hold of any arsenic in prison. Because I know the like the prison in Raleigh that's actually right next to NC State's campus. Oh well, what a great place to put a college. <laughs> um, they that is where they house people who are on death row. I don't know if it's like all people yeah. who are on death row, but like the very first woman that was put on death row and was executed. Yeah, was executed in that Raleigh prison. Shit. I don't know. There's also like a pretty big prison um, in like Morganton, which is near my hometown. Yeah. But I don't know if they do death row stuff there. She I mean, might they be could in, have her in Morganton, but just because she was already in Burlington, it's just a little bit. Yeah. Let's just let's go to let's the prison and be yeah. like, we're here for blank. It's wild. I don't know. So yeah. Anyways, I was shook that we have the same name. So Taylor. Her <laughs> Like, first last name was Taylor. And yeah. And so when she got married, she kept it became it. Taylor Moore. Yes. Her middle name. Okay. Which is weird because I feel like, do you usually keep your, like, first husband's last name? Like, I mean, I know he died, but it still seems unusual to me that she kept that. And I mean, not her, like, maiden name. I mean, I don't know. Because, I don't know. So, my, mom, my mom's parents got divorced and my, I'm calling my MAGA, my MAGA, she never remarried, so she just kept her husband's last yeah. name, I guess, because she was used to being called that. Yeah. And, uh, it was on all of her, like, documents. Yes, it makes sense but for it to be, like... I don't know, like, if she got married, if she would have switched it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also, like, maybe she... Maybe Blanche just didn't like her for her original last name because it was the name of her father. Yeah, or, I was thinking that, too. Because I'm also thinking, like, if you got rid of your first husband's last name would you take your middle name because like well i hate my middle name so, <laughs> so there you go oh uh, yeah you're right I'd have to, i'm dropping my middle name as soon as i can nicole <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well i made it through my first story wow congrats my mouth is very dry <laughs> <laughs> oh, i want to drink water but my friend's gonna be like Whoa. <laughs> Um, I'm not gonna, well, I'm gonna tell you who it is, but it's like, I'm just gonna go right into it, basically. Um, there's not really a backstory into why I chose this story, other than I just fucking wanted to. I, I'll take it. I'll I'll take it. (laughs) Mine's not as, we don't share the same name, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) So, um, Eileen Warnes was born on February 29th, 1956 in Rochester, Michigan. So her teenage, her parents were both teenagers at the time, uh, it was Diane Warnos and Leo Dale Pittman. 
and then two divorced just two years, sorry, two months oh. after uh, Eileen was born. Oh so, like, my. Eileen never met her father because uh. he was actually in prison, uh, like, by the time she was born. I guess, like, her, he got divorced. Let me just start this whole bitch over. <laughs> <laughs> so he was arrested and charged with sex crimes against children. Oh, And so he was no. in prison at the time she was born and mm. actually committed suicide while he was in prison. So she never met him oh. and was raised by her her teenage mother oh, up no. until the time she was four. And when she was four years old, her mother left her and her brother Keith to be raised by her alcoholic grandparents. Uh, okay, so was her brother older or younger? He was older. So How, like, When you say teenage, are we talking like, like 18 when she was no, born? No, I'm talking like hella young. Like her mom was probably like 14 by the time she had her brother oh. and maybe like 16. So these were like babies. Oh, no. babies. Oh, no. Uh, and so I guess her mom was like fuck being a mom, I'm going to go live my life. So she left uh, Eileen and her brother Keith to be raised by her alcoholic grandparents. And I literally wrote, fucking great move. <laughs> Good great choice. move. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, as you can imagine, this did not go over well. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't go well? It didn't go well. <laughs> well. Actually, she had a really great life and nothing and bad. And nothing bad ever she happened. Uh, so throughout her childhood, Eileen's grandfather repeatedly sexually assaulted her, and at oh the age God. of 11, Eileen began trading sexual activities for food, cigarettes, and drugs from oh. her classmates. Classmates? Her classmates. So, like, no, that is, I, that is odd. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, no, like, literally imagine, like, after school, giving a blowjob behind the schoolhouse, like, for a pack of smokes. But, like, what teenage boy can afford, like, what teenage boy can afford to purchase sex work? Like, I, no, it was literally, like, it wasn't even, like, like, when I think of, like, sex work, I think of, like, oh, you're getting, like, a decent amount of money. No, It was just, was like, for a cigarette, like, can I bum a cigarette? And they were, like, can you, can you give me a slob on the snob first? <laughs> Yeah, that's essentially what it was. Like, oh it was gosh. like, I guess it was just like whatever they had. You know what I mean? I like, mean, I guess if she was like hungry or something. Yeah, like, I mean, you gotta I mean, do what you gotta do. Yeah, I mean, this was like, how old was she probably? At age 11, she, she, this was like the 60s. So, you know, like smoking was pretty, oh, yeah. a pretty big thing. So it'd be like, oh, a pack of smokes for a handy. Um, hit of that jewel, please. Uh, can I get a? <laughs> can I get a hit? Uh, and then I also found that she had sexual relations with her brother Keith, but oh, no. but in my research it was unclear whether or not that was consensual or not. So uh, I mean, because I'm thinking like when you, I, I'm not saying a lot of times, but like sometimes. In abusive relationships, children will kind of form a strong bond with like their, their siblings because they're yeah. like we're both trying to survive this. And I think of like, I feel that. Have you ever heard or read the flowers? Book? In the attic. Yeah, that's exactly yes. what I was gonna say. You know, yeah. they start sexing because they're yeah. like, stuck in this attic. I mean, look, <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. I guess. I mean, in a flowers in the attic situation, you never know. You stuck in the attic, you don't know when you're coming out. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely. That's true. But yeah, I feel like I mean some siblings have weird bonds with each other, yeah. and they ain't even like going through trauma. So That's let's true. be honest. That is true. Um, so she continues to experience this sort of sexual abuse 
and at age 14, she becomes pregnant with a baby boy after being raped by one of her grandfather's friends. Oh my god. Yeah, so again, she's 14. <laughs> I don't even, like... I'm thinking of myself at 14. I'm like, I could barely conceive a child. Like, could I even conceive a child at 14? I mean, I know I was fat, so I probably had room in there, but yeah, that is just... So she was sent to a home for unwed mothers where she gave birth to the baby and put him up for adoption. And so after she gave birth, she dropped out of school and continued to live with her grandparents until her grandmother died of liver failure. Which I'm thinking probably, alcohol. For, probably from years of alcohol. That's not, not surprising. Um, so soon after this, Eileen's grandfather kicked her out of the house. And she began living in the woods and supporting herself through sex work. Okay. So again, a 14-year-old, homeless now, being a sex worker. And where are we located? Rochester, Michigan. Well, sure, let's go with that. Probably in the I mean, Midwest they never still. specify where... The grandparents live, but I'm assuming... Probably in the Midwest. I'm still thinking Michigan because her mom had her at such a young age. Yeah. So I don't think she would have strayed too far from the hometown. At this time, Eileen was a regular at local bars and often had violent altercations with fellow patrons, which actually led her to serving some jail time for assault. Oh. Um, And in order to get from place to place, Eileen frequently hitchhiked. Oh, great. (laughs) <laughs> That's great. Uh, and in May of 1976, who does she meet but Louis Greatsfell, who I just envision him like this suave little guy. Uh, he's a 69-year-old man ah. <laughs> and president of a yacht club. Oh, yeah. yeah he's so he's I'm, swanky. I'm thinking he's wearing like khaki pants and a polo when he rolls up. Well, evidently they really hit it off because they quickly married. <laughs> Oh, like, that's not where I thought this was going. <laughs> yeah, they quickly married. Okay, yeah. Uh, and things became rocky when Eileen was charged with assaulting Lewis with his own cane. His cane? <laughs> so, imagine <laughs> this, this man in his, what, like, docksiders? Yes. Just getting the shit beat out of him by this 14-year-old. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. With his own fucking cane. <laughs> so, uh, Lewis puts out a restraining order against Eileen, uh, and the two annulled their marriage after just nine weeks. Nine weeks? She's already beaten him with his own cane. Goodness, Eileen. You could have been, I don't know. If you were in it for the money, which maybe you were, you just, couldn't have held out a little bit longer before beating him with his cane. Uh, I don't know what her motives were. I don't know if maybe she was just like, this guy likes me, he'll give me some food. But it was interesting. So now, in July of 1976, Eileen's Keith... No. Keith is not hers anymore. (laughs) Eileen's brother Keith. He is not because he died of cancer. I apologize. (laughs) Sorry. Let's have a moment. So Eileen receives $10,000 in insurance money, which she quickly blew on an expensive car, which she later totaled. Look, she hasn't driven very much. She's been hitchhiking, okay? <laughs> I doubt it. she went to the DMV and did her driver's test. <laughs> find, didn't find that in my research. I can't confirm or deny that. Uh, so in the following years, Eileen is arrested and fined with various crimes, such as forgery, armed robbery, car theft, 
resisting arrest and obstruction of justice for presenting an ID that had her aunt's information on it. So, like, I guess when she went to go, like, get pulled over, I'm assuming for totaling her fucking car, they were yeah. like, can I see some ID? Which, like, of course, she didn't have. Here you go. So she just must have had her aunt's ID. And they were like, that's mm, not you. That's not you, bitch. <laughs> we know better than that. So, uh, in 1986, Eileen meets Tyra Moore at a bar in Daytona Beach, Florida! Spring break. Spring break. Uh, and the two begin dating and move in together. Eileen continues to support them through sex work while Tyra works as a hotel maid. So Tyra is a woman. A lady. Okay. It's a woman. And I've heard in different claims, um, the the bar that they meet at is a biker bar, which could be because Daytona is big for like bike week. Yeah. But then I've also heard that it's it was a gay bar, so I don't know. I don't want. I, don't, I just put bar. Okay. Okay. So, but yeah, she is a woman. Okay. Um, I mean, go Eileen, but. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> I just wonder, what is... I feel like there's an ulterior motive here. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but things seem to be uh, coming on up and up. But I did find in some reports that Tyra did not approve of Eileen's sex work. Once uh, she found out and encouraged her to get, like, another job. Okay. But I imagine that would be hard to do since all she, Eileen knew was... Sex work. Sex work. And, and like, she's never had, like, an actual job. Yeah, and she dropped out of school at 14. So she probably can't barely read and write. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to make that Which I'm sure, like, even when she was in school, I doubt she was too focused on her schoolwork because she was probably worried about going home and getting, you know, sexually abused. Yeah. You know, clearly some home life issues that would have made it difficult to focus. So, um... I got some paper. I got the. Tim is using a laptop, uh, and I'm using paper like I'm 90 years old. Well, I don't have a printer, so. I printed this shit out at work, so. Oh, well, I'm unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you're thinking, things are going on the up and up. Eileen, Tyra, they've moved in together. They're going to have a blissful life together. Yeah? Hell no. Oh, well. Well, this would not be a uh, true crime podcast if things went well. You're right. So, in November of 1989, 51-year-old Richard Mallory, who was a owner of a local electronic store, Uh uh, his car is found abandoned in Volusa County, Florida. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. And his body was found a few days later in a wooded area several miles from where his car was found. So, Richard had picked up Eileen for, you know, a sexual encounter, as yeah. one does. Uh, and Eileen would later testify in court that Richard had beaten and sodomized her during this encounter and that she shot him in self-defense. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So, keep that. I'll keep it in my mind. Yeah. I didn't realize she had a gun with her, but I mean, I guess if you're getting to the car with a strange man, mm-hmm. having a gun on you is probably a good idea. Yeah. And I mean, it's Florida, so it's like yeah. the Wild West. It's also time. like, what, like the 60s, 70s? No, this is 1989 at this oh, point. So oh, we're coming into the so, 90s. Okay. Um, but this happens in November, and they're like, we don't know who the fuck did this. Yeah. So they're like, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so then a few months later in May of 1990... David Spears, a construction worker, was reported missing, and his naked body was found on June 1st of that year near U.S. Route 19 in Citrus County, Florida. 
and his cause of death was six gunshot wounds from a 22 caliber pistol. Interesting. So they're like, hmm. But I don't think at this point that they quite connected. These, yeah. These could have been. They're just sort of like, no. Yeah, well, dang. It's Florida. It's Florida. <laughs> Florida, <laughs> Florida man. <laughs> Florida man could have been a gator that shot him. Could have been a gator. A gator who has gained opposable thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so his body was found. No, he was reported. Let me just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Get out of my house. His body was found on June 1st, which I said. But then on June 6th, yes, five days after David Spears' body was found, mm-hmm. the body of 40-year-old Charles Carscotton was found in Pasco County, Florida. Oh. And his body was wrapped in an electric blanket, and his cause of death was a nine was nine gunshot wounds from a 20 caliber pistol. Okay, different uh, caliber. Different caliber, but still kind of similar. Similar, similar. Uh, and when they found his body, it was so badly decomposed. And officials had determined that he had been dead for roughly seven days. Mm-hmm. So probably, like, what, he he might have been killed the same day that like the, the, the David Spears was, his oh, body yeah. was found, you know? Yeah. So they're definitely coming closer together. And witnesses reported seeing Eileen driving Charles's car. And oh. police later found that Eileen had pawned a gun that belonged to Charles. Oh, did she? Oh, yeah. And from that gun, along with other belongings that had been pawned, detectives would be able to retrieve fingerprints matching those found in various victims' cars. Okay. So, you know, they're starting yeah. to connect some dots. Good for them. Yes, good for them. But, oh. in June of 1990, Peter Sims, Sims, I don't know. Uh, he left Jupiter County, or he, he left Jupiter, Florida, to head for Arkansas, but was never seen again. His car was found on the Fourth of July in Orange Spring, Florida. So he did not make it to Arkansas. Dang it! <laughs> when they found the car, Eileen's prints were found on the car door, and witnesses had reported seeing Eileen and Tyra abandoning that car. So. Tyra is still with her. Yes. Interesting. They are still living together. Dating. Okay. Um, but for some reason, she has helped her abandon this car. Okay. Uh, so Peter was a 65-year-old merchant seaman and devoted much of his time to Christian outreach ministry. So mm. people sort of think that maybe maybe she he, saw Eileen uh, yeah. hitchhiking. She probably didn't look well because, like, She's probably, she's probably not well. She's probably not well, yeah. Uh, and was potentially, you know, trying to see, like, can I help you out? Yeah, to, like, get you somewhere. I mean, I'm not going to say that he wasn't soliciting sex. Yes. Because that's always a possibility. But it doesn't seem likely just seen as that he yeah. was a very giving yeah. person. Yeah, if, he, if she was, like, hitchhiking, he probably was trying to take her maybe to, like, a facility, give her mm-hmm. some, like, food or something. Yeah. So, but his body was never found. Ah. So, uh, like, never. Never even after. Never ever. Never ever. It, people speculate, obviously, that his death was gunshot wound, but, yeah. you know, there was no autopsy, and the, like, his family never really got that closure of having an autopsy. Interesting. Being able to bury his body, which is just so sad. That is very sad. Uh, and the sadness doesn't stop there. Because oh, okay. on July 31st, I thought this was interesting, a sausage salesman. 
<laughs> I've heard of a steak salesman before. No, he was a sausage <laughs> salesman. Uh, by the name of Troy Burris, was reported missing, and on August 4th, his body was found in a wooded area along State Road 19 in Marion County, Florida, and he had been shot twice. Interesting. On September 12, 1990, the body of Charles Humphrey, known to his friends as Dick, was found <laughs> in Marion County, uh, Florida. He had been shot six times and hit. Gosh. Yeah, so. Jesus. You know, whoever, whoever, they wanted to make sure this fucker dead. Dead. And his car was found in Swanee County, Florida. Dick was a retired U.S. Air Force major, former state child abuse investigator, and former chief of police. Oh, dang. Uh, and on November 19th, 1990, the half-naked body of Walter Antonio, a trucker, security guard, and police reservist, reservist was, <laughs> was found near a remote logging county in Dixie County. Florida. This is a lot of people. This is like a this is an insane amount of people. And his uh, cause of death was four gunshot wounds, and his car was found in Brevard County. So obviously Brevard. Okay. County, Florida. Okay. So whenever, for the most part, their bodies are not found where their car is. Interesting. And if it, and if it is, it's like. They're not right next to each other. It's like yeah. they're not left in the car. Um, they are being taken a few yards away, um, or the car has been completely moved. Like odd. Hit where he was in Dixie. His body was found in Dixie County, but his car was not found in that county. It was found in Brevard County. Hmm. So, on January 9th, nineteen ninety one, Eileen was arrested for an outstanding warrant at the Last Resort which is a biker bar in Volusia County, Florida. So I'm assuming this is probably just, like, either from her getting a lot of bar fights, um, yeah. which we already know she does, um, so she might have had an assault, like, an assault charge, or I don't know if maybe, like, she hadn't paid, sure, I don't think they would have arrested her for... Not paying a tab. Paid, I mean, unless that was, like, something that they were like, well, I mean, yeah. let's, we'll get her on anything we can. Yeah. Um... And so police located her girlfriend Tyra the next day in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, and Tyra, How the heck did she get there? I think that things had gotten rocky and the Tyra was like, I'm out. Peace out. And I think that she, the, they obviously, like, the police knew that she had helped her stash a car. Oh, yeah. So, like, obviously you know some shit, so you need to tell us right fucking now. Yeah. And so that's exactly what she did. So she agreed to elicit a confession from Eileen in exchange for immunity in the prosecution. Okay. So under police guidance, Tyra made numerous phone calls to Eileen, pleading for her to help Tyra clear her name. Okay. And three days later, on January 16, 1991, Eileen confessed to the murders. But she claimed that all the men had tried to rape her, and she killed them all in self-defense. Okay. Which, I'm not going to say... That they, I'm not going to say they didn't try to rape her, because that's likely, but in some sense, I'm like, some of them had like nine gunshot wounds. Yeah. Just seems like a lot. It just seems, it seems like a lot of people to rape you in such a, such yes. a quick succession. Yes. Uh, some of the victims were killed within five days of each other, so that's, yes. what, that's just what's interesting. And also the fact that like, it wasn't just like, they've been shot and I'm running away from the situation. Yeah. In some case, it seems like there's a little bit of a, a oh. car snatching. Yeah. 
And it's, there's a lot of rage, definitely, because yeah. she kills them like six or seven times with a gun. She yeah. shoots them. So, on January 9th, 1991, Eileen was arrested on an outstanding warrant at the... No, wait, what the fuck am I doing? I'm nervous. This is my first time podcasting. Is it? <laughs> really nervous. So a year later, Eileen went to trial for the murder of Richard Mallory, who was the first guy that she murdered. Okay. And on January 27th, 1992, she was convicted of his murder with help from Tyra's testimony. Which, I feel like that's gotta suck. Like, the yeah. person that, the one, only, probably the only person that you love in this world Has is now. like, yeah. She, she did it. She did it. And turned it on her. Which, I mean, let's be honest. Did Tyra, like, I don't know if Tyra helped in the killing, but I'm like, do you really want to get drugged down like that? No. Probably not. So, at that point, you're probably... Also, I couldn't see that their relationship was too lovey-dovey, considering Eileen sounds like, like a bad bitch who will cut you in a minute. Or shoot you in a minute. Shoot you in a minute. You look at her the wrong way and she's like, I swear to God, I have a gun. Have, yeah. Uh, and if you ever see pictures of her, she looks crazy. She, she do look crazy. Uh, she definitely looks like a Florida man. Yeah, she does. She's got like, a mullet. Um, <laughs> I don't think any eyebrows. Or her eyebrows are like, not kind of like... So she looks like me. <laughs> she looks like you. Oh my God. You. At her sentencing... A psychiatrist for the defense testified that Eileen was mentally unstable. Like, no, Okay, yeah, I Uh, could see that. And had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder Mm. and antisocial personality disorder. But despite this, she was still sentenced to death. Um, So I think they were trying to get her the insanity plea so that she would just, like, live her life in an asylum. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out for her. They were like, no dice. And assessed using the psychopathy checklist... Eileen scored 32 out of 40. Um, uh-huh. And so th- people who score above 25 or 30 are typically diagnosed as a psychopath. Okay. So basically they diagnosed her as a psychopath. As a psychopath. Something that was interesting though, uh, during the trial, typically uh, previous convictions are normally like inadmissible in criminal trials. Yeah. But under Florida's Williams law, the prosecution was allowed to introduce evidence related to her other crimes to show that she does have a pattern of illegal activity. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is like her bar fights, robbery, forgery, forgery, things like that, to show like obviously and sex work is illegal. True. So I think that they probably were like. This fits the amount. Yeah. On March 31st, 1992, Eileen pleaded no contest to the murders of Charles Humphrey, Troy Burris, and David Spears, saying she wanted to, quote, get right with God. Oh, no. In her statement to the court, she said, in part, I wanted to confess to you that Richard Mallory did violently rape me, as I told you, but these others did not. They mm-hmm. only began to start to. Interesting. On May 19, 1992, Eileen was given three more death sentences. So now she's on her fourth, her fourth death. I don't, I think they were just like, we really need to. She's like a cat? Do they think she's going to come back for a few more lives? (laughs) I guess. She gets reincarnated. They're like, look, if we find you in your next life, you have another death sentence. You get reincarnated as a dolphin. (laughs) In June 1992, Eileen pleaded guilty to the murder of Charles Karskin. In 1992, she received her fifth death sentence. 
The defense made more efforts during the trial to introduce evidence that Richard Mallory had been tried for the intent to rape in Maryland. So he had already okay. had previous incidences of people saying that they had been raped by him. Yeah. He attempted to rape them. And he'd actually been committed to a maximum security correctional facility. Interesting. That provided redemption to sexual offenders. They tried to argue the fact that Mallory had possessed psychopathic trends while in the correctional facility. However, Eileen was refused a retrial. So I think they introduced Mm -hmm. this hoping that they could retry her for the Richard case. Yeah. And potentially, maybe, like, obviously she'd probably still be convicted of murder, but she maybe wouldn't have that death sentence. Yeah, but, but like, I, but I'm a little... she already had a couple, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know quite what their thought process was with that, but I mean, like, I'm also thinking, like, obviously with your case, that bitch has been on death row for 30 years, so I don't know if yeah. they hoping that she'd be on death row for a long time. Maybe they could, like, get her off. Yeah. So throughout her trials, Eileen told several inconsistent stories about the killings. Uh-huh. She claimed initially that all seven men had raped her, uh, her while working as a sex worker, but later recanted the claim of self-defense, citing robbery and the desire to leave no witnesses as the reason for the murders. Huh. Which I per- look, this is what I personally think. I think that Mallory probably either did rape her. Yeah. Or started raping her, and mm-hmm. that that probably just, like, triggered her. Yeah. Because she's dealt with so much bullshit during her life. Yeah. Like, she's been sexually assaulted basically her whole life. Yeah. Um, she had to give a, a baby due to a sexual assault. Yes, yes. So I think that, like, she probably just snapped, and that that kind of just started a Spiraled. Change. I mean, she clearly has, like, issues with men. Like, she can't like men at this point yes. at all. So, I'm sure any man, like, even slightly crossing her, she's ready to snap. Which is, that kind of reminds me of your case, because I feel yes. like she obviously didn't like men. So, no, like, maybe she just was like, I hate all men that want sex. Yeah. So, she just was like, but I think definitely Richard Malley started a chain reaction. Yeah. And if you look at how closely together the murders are, it just seems like she wasn't able to stop almost. She like just kind of like went on a, like on a bender. Yeah. yeah. Like it just seems like the only way she was going to stop it was to be arrested. Yeah. Um, which I think is pretty much what they all determined. Uh, and so they obviously she had all those death sentences, but she stayed on death row for about 10 years. Okay. But her execution took place on October 9th, 2002. Interesting. And she died at uh, 9.47 a.m. by lethal injection. Hmm. But she declined her last meal, which could have been anything under 20 bucks. Yeah. And opted for a cup of coffee. And I wrote, big mood. <laughs> big mood. I'm um, gonna shit on my way out. <laughs> I just feel like... I probably couldn't even eat anything, let's be honest. Like, if I'm about to go, like, be killed, like, am I gonna be able to eat anything? No. I would say, like, my my thing is, like, I couldn't eat anything. I'd be too nervous. I'd be nauseous. But I'm like, I guess I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to die, so it doesn't matter if I feel a little nauseous. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can definitely relate to that shit. I'll drink an iced coffee and not eat anything for the rest of the day. True. Doesn't he lose a little bit of weight? It's <laughs> <laughs> a meal replacement. <laughs> Just kidding. People don't do that. Please don't do that. We don't endorse that. No, we don't. <laughs> If you if you could see me right now, you know I don't miss very many meals. <laughs> um, so her last words were, "Yes, I would just like to say 
I'm sailing with the rock. And I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie. Big mothership and all. I'll be back. I'll be back. Is that a song? <laughs> so, I, I, let's, let's pick at this a little bit. I'm sailing with the rock. I don't know what that means. Like Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> and I'll be back like Independence Day, which she later says like the, the movie. The movies. Uh, which, you know, okay. good movie, Will Smith. Was that out in 2002? I mean, it, I guess so. It came so. out in 1996. Because okay, okay. I, for some reason, thought it was a, it was released later. But no, 1996. Okay, okay. Um, I'm confused why she says June 6th. Because, from what I've gathered, Independence Day was not released June 6th. It was definitely released the week of 4th of July. Well, maybe. I mean, let's be honest. She may have just got confused. She may have gotten confused. Uh, but then she definitely says Big Mothership, which obviously Independence Day is about aliens. Okay. Um, but she she does say, I'll be back, which I've yet to see. I, I ain't seen her yet. I told you, though. I said she's probably going to reincarnate, and that's why they had to give her all those death sentences. Because yeah. she's been telling everybody, I'm coming back. Coming back. I'm coming back. Uh, so she was the 10th woman in the United States, and the second in Florida to be executed since 19, sorry, 1976, when the U.S. Supreme Court decided to restore capital punishment. Mm. Um, so that is the story of Eileen Warnos. But uh, if you want to know a little bit more about her, I mean, there's definitely some documentaries, but I decided to watch the movie Monster, uh. Uh, which was released in 2003, so just like a year after she was killed. killed. Yeah. Which I'm thinking, like, that's insane. that they She was put on death row... No, she, obviously she had been on death row for a while, but she yeah. was executed at the end of 2002, so they probably were already filming it when she was executed. Damn. But it stars Christina Ritchie and Charlize Theron, and Charlize Theron, mm-hmm. she does a pretty good job portraying her, like, she looks like her. Uh, she actually won an Oscar for her role, uh. but... Here's the thing. I, I'm a stickler for facts. <laughs> Are you? I'm not. Well, I it does sort of bug me a little bit, but like, let me explain why. So if you're going to watch the movie, I would say take it with a grain of salt. Yes. Just obviously sure for took, many like, reasons. Artistic liberties. Mostly because Tyra Moore, like the real life Tyra Moore, yeah. did not. She's very protective over her image and her likeness. Mm-hmm. So she did not sign away her rights. For them to portray her, so uh, the director and writer of this film decided rather than even like risk getting sued. Yeah, they just wrote a completely different character. So Eileen's uh, girlfriend has a different name. She does kind of look like her, but I mean, obviously, like Christina Ricci's a cute actress. Yeah, but yeah, she's completely different okay. than the, what Tyra Moore probably was like because. Obviously, I told you that Tyra Moore didn't approve of... Her, like, sex work. Yeah. But in the film, her girlfriend specifically is like, I want you to continue basically pimping yourself out so that I don't have to work and I can just have fun. So she really portrays Uh, her as, like, kind of a brat. Yeah. But I just don't... She may not have been. Yeah. I don't know if I foresee her being, like, a brat just because I'm like... Eileen seems like she... She's the brat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think Eileen just seems like we want someone that's like, 
wants a normal life. Yeah. And just wants to work and live. So. Yeah, I feel that. Honestly, obviously I know who Eileen Warnes is. Like, I've heard of her. You do? I do. But honestly, I didn't know any of the specifics. I remember her and, like, they portrayed her in, like, American Horror Story, the, like, hotel one. But I didn't realize how many people she murdered and just, like, so quickly. Yes, that is why she's very interesting to me because she's a, she's a female serial killer, which I feel like a lot of times when, not, like, like, obviously with your story, like, females kill it's, it's more like a like, black widow situation yeah or it's poisoning but the fact that she killed them in such a violent way is very interesting yes. which i think is why she sticks out i also find it very interesting because i love florida i just find oh uh, yes i love florida um and i think it's a fascinating state well, <laughs> i hate florida just so, for the record <laughs> but i just think it's like i can just definitely see this happening in florida yeah yes and the fact that she would just they would pick her up and she Pop a cat Pop on and be like, on to the next. Yeah. Story of Eileen Warnes. Uh, that's all I got for you. That's terrible. <laughs> well, this was a, I think this maybe was a successful first episode. Um, I guess the, the comments and the reviews will probably. Will let us know. Well, if anybody besides us listens to this podcast, I'll consider it a success. I want to. Please, if you, like, if you do review it, please don't roast us. Please don't roast us. We might cry. Just kidding. I might, we're, we actually got pretty tough skin. Well, don't say that, because then they're gonna be like, I'm gonna fucking Fuck you, kill you. We're gonna kill you. Please don't. Yeah. So, thanks for watching, guys. Watching? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I've never podcasted before. Thanks for listening, guys. Yes, thanks for listening, and if you want to, like, contact us, we do have an email. I don't know what you would say to us, but, I mean. Yeah, I guess, like, if you have any, we're trying to do a different theme each week, so if you have text, can you fuck off? Sorry, Taylor's We have dog. a dog. <laughs> we have a podcast mascot. His name is Tex. You can hear him. <laughs> um, yeah, but we're doing a different theme each week, so if you have any theme suggestions, or maybe uh, you know anyone that has been related to these murders yeah hit us up uh our email is this is gonna sound weird at gmail.com yeah and hopefully this podcast will be out on you know all platforms we're using i don't know like anchor we'll see how that goes we'll see basically the theme of this episode is we'll see how this we'll goes. see how it goes but next week's theme is gonna be haunted objects so if you liked this podcast or you tolerated this podcast <laughs> And you want to listen to more, or you wouldn't hate listening to some more, uh, check us back next week for Haunted Objects. Yes, and thank you for listening to This, this Is Gonna, gonna sound, sound Weird. Pew, 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 pew. pew. <laughs> Bye.